That's some Super Bowl ushering right there. Amen. <laughs> Take your Bible and turn with us to the book of Exodus. I'm going to Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 7 tonight. We're talking about, well, the sermon title is Profane. Profane. You know, several years ago, it was many years ago, Time Magazine uh, did an article about an article that came out of the state of Maryland. And what had happened was a truck driver had been arrested uh, for drunk driving and disorderly con conduct. And, um, and in that case, when the police officers arrived, the, the truck driver was cussing his head off. He was abusive and uh, just, it was awful. And he used profane language, repeatedly took God's name in vain. And then when the man was brought in front of Maryland, they call them magistrates. But down here in West Tennessee, we call them what? Judges. And so when they brought him before the judge, the judge wanted to throw the book at him. And so the fine for the, the, the alcohol content that the man was at was uh, a couple hundred bucks and 30 days in jail. But the magistrate wanted to throw the book at this guy because even in the courtroom, the man was profane and used God's name in vain. So this judge, this magistrate, found an antiquated law that was still on the books in the state of Maryland uh, where uh, you could be found guilty of blasphemy in public. And so the judge gave him an extra $100 fine and another 30 days in jail for a total of 60 days in jail for blasphemy. And then what happened was the reason why the Times Magazine news editor picked up the story was because he was outraged, absolutely offended. Not offended that the man was drunk driving an 18-wheeler and being disorderly. He was outraged because this man would received this extra fine, these extra days in jail for blasphemy. He felt like it was, quote, cruel and unusual punishment. One thing I know is this, that truck driver better be glad he wasn't around in the days of Aaron the priest. He wouldn't have got away that easy. You know, an extra hundred bucks, 30 days in jail would have been nice. But honestly, what is worse, drunk and disorderly conduct or insulting the dignity of Almighty God? Now, the Times editor, the news editor of the Times gave his answer, but God gives us a different one. Look in verse number 7. Exodus 20, verse number 7, you know this verse. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I thought this Super Bowl Sunday night, profanity would be the ideal topic for us to touch on. Because tonight all over the country, depending on passes or interceptions, touchdowns or fumble, fumbles, people are going to be taking God's name in vain over this little game that I like a lot called football. It's interesting to note that two of the Ten Commandments deal with the tongue. The, the second commandment, I mean the third commandment deals with profanity. The ninth commandment deals with perjury. The third commandment deals with talking trash. The ninth commandment deals with telling the truth. The third commandment calls for holy language, but the ninth commandment calls for honest language. Look at this next slide. What I want you to know is this. The way a person verbally respects God tells you a whole lot about how they relate to God. Let me tell you something. This is not to brag. I really don't. My children have never heard me profane the name of God. One time, me and Marcus were playing catch in the living room with a baseball. I don't know, a real one. He's a little guy. I lob it to him. And he thought he was the next great, you know, whoever. He reared back and threw that ball. Those cat-like reflexes aren't what they used to be. He hit me exactly where you wouldn't want to be hit. 
Air left my lungs. My knees hit the floor. Tears started to roll. And I'm not even sure what the word was that came out of my mouth, okay? But the next thing that I said was, go to your room. <laughs> I was hurting so bad I thought I'd hurt them. Just, ah! I laid in the floor and cried. Alicia cried too because she was laughing. But what I'm saying is even in that moment, because of my relationship with God, God's name wasn't what wanted to come off my lips. I'm not claiming perfection in this area, as we'll talk about here in a little bit. But the way a person verbally respects God tells you a lot how they relate to God. That, that first commandment deals with the necessity of God. The second deals with the nature of God. And this one deals with the name of God. So look at this next slide. I want you to understand when it comes to God's name, there's a designation. We don't take names as seriously as people did back in the Old Testament. When the, matter of fact, God's name, you've heard this before, and I've, heard a, I've read a couple of different variations on this, but when the Hebrews were transcribing the Word of God and uh, from scroll to scroll, a scribe would fast and pray before he would even write God's name. And then he would bathe himself and ritually cleanse himself. He would baptismo himself. And he'd write the name of God with a brand new quill. And after he wrote God's name, he'd throw that pen away and burn it. And he'd take his clothes, burn it, get dressed again. And then he would continue to write. But once he came to the name of God, he would start the process all over again. There was one name in, for the people of Israel that was considered so holy. It's the name Yahweh, as we used to Jehovah, God. They'd only uttered it once a year by the high priest in the temple because they were afraid they're going to mess it up and say it wrong. So they just didn't use it. I don't want to say it wrong. So I'm not even going to try to say it right. In biblical times, names weren't just labels. They had meaning. Your name really spoke to the core of who you were as a person, uh, your very character, your very nature. And so the names of God, God's name, likewise, points to his nature and to his character as well. Write this down. A couple of things I want to look at real quick. Our God is the God of power. Power. One of my favorite worship services we ever had here at Grace Baptist Church happened about a year ago when we didn't have any electricity. Y'all remember that? We didn't have any power, but God's power was still here. Amen? He's a God of power. Look in your notes at Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created. <laughs> the, the name for God there literally means the strong, uh, like strong and faithful. It's the creator God, right? And he said, let us make man in our image. We were created by the God of power who has power over life and death. Remember this, the same God who lit your life up like a candle can sniff it out, just snuff it out the same way. It's dangerous to misuse the name of God. But write this down, not just the God of power, also the God of preeminence. That's kind of a, we don't use that word every day. I'll give you a second to write that. Preeminence. Some of you just going to go P E. Amen. There came a time when God wanted his people to know that he was not only creator, but he was master. He was Lord. Look at this next slide. Lord Adonai. Have you heard that before? Basically, I'll sum it up for you. It just means master. It's a relationship of a master with his slave. As Lord, as Adonai, God deserves our absolute, complete, total obedience and surrender. It is disobedient to misuse the name of God. Now, next, write this down. He's also the God of possession. Possession. There's another name that the Bible often uses for God. Uh, look at this next slide. He's called the Most High God. It's the Hebrew name Elion. Elion. This one is just purely about ownership. It's the idea of ownership, right? The most high God. 
uh, the possessor of heaven and earth. Matter of fact, when Abraham delivered Lot one time, I remember Lot, all of Lot's folks got kidnapped and Abraham had to go and rescue them. I mean, he was about 150 years old when it happened. I just thought to myself, my feet hurt today. I'm 46. Abraham's running out. He wasn't 150, but he was old, and he's running out there rescuing people in battle, and he didn't even have good shoes. Anyway, that has nothing to do with this. But when Abraham delivered Lot as an old man, saving a young man, uh, he gave the spoils of the battle and everything back to the king of Sodom. And the king of Sodom told Abraham, hey, you can, you can keep these spoils, all these, all these things. And Abraham said, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that he wouldn't keep any of the spoils. See, God is not only the God who made us, he's the God who possesses us. He owns us. It's disrespectful to take the name of God in vain. He's the God of possession. Write this down. He's also the God of provision. The God of provision. Sometimes in the Bible, we read that God's name, look at this next line, Almighty God, El Shaddai. It means the all-sufficient one, the all-sufficient one. God is not only the source, but he is the sustainer. Picture that, that Jesus created everything, but not only did he create everything, but right now he's the only thing holding everything together. He's the creator and the sustainer of everything. In the book of Proverbs, a man by the name of Agur asked the Lord to give him, he said, God, don't give me poverty nor riches, right? And, he, and in, in, in the book of Proverbs, he says, I don't want to be poor, he says, lest I steal and profane the name of God. He's saying, God, don't let me be poor. I don't want to steal and profane your name. How is stealing profaning the name of God? Listen, when a man steals, he's denying that God is El Shaddai. El Shaddai. Right? That he, is, he can provide, that he is the sustainer, that everything is under control, that he is sufficient. It is distrustful to profane the name of God. God's name is to be hallowed. Look at this next slide. God's name is to be honored not only by what we say, but by what we do. And I would go even further and say how we do it. That's just a big thing on my radar these days. Not only Christians doing Christian things, but they do it like Christians. You know, you can be a Christian doing Christian things and just be awful. You can. God's name is not only to be honored but only by what we say, but what we do and how we do it. We all know your kids can obey you the wrong way, can't they? I don't even know how she could do it. Amber Baby's not here. I'll talk about her. When that little girl got in trouble when she was little, you could tell her to sit down and she could do it with attitude and just sitting there. And, what, what, and everything about her was saying, I'm sitting on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing. Amen? Do it the right way. <laughs> do it the right way. All right, hopefully she's not watching. Uh, write this down. God's name. Next, I want to look at the desecration, how we desecrate the name of God. Look again at verse number 7. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't take it in vain. We don't really talk like that much anymore, uh, do we? How do we take God's name in vain? Write this down. First way is through profanity. Profanity. I like the way this one uh, man explained this commandment. It was really good. He did it comparing it to copyrights and trademarks. He said this. He said, one way uh, 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 for Americans to begin to understand this commandment is to treat God's name as trademark property. 
in order to gain widespread distribution for his copyrighted repair manual, the Bible, and also to capture greater market share for his authorized franchise, the church, God has graciously licensed the use of his name to anyone who will use it according to his written instructions. It needs to be understood, however, that God's name has not been released into the public domain. God retains legal control over his name and threatens serious penalties against the unauthorized misuse of this supremely valuable property. All trademark violations will be prosecuted to the full limits of the law. The prosecutor, judge, jury, and enforcer, God. One of the ways you take God's name is profanity. That word profane comes from two words. Pro, out of, phanom, temple, take his name out of the temple. In other words, look at this next slide. Profanity is when you take the name of God out of his holy temple and drag it through the muck and mire of this world. There's no other sin quite like it. Look at this next slide. Profanity is absolutely revealing, revealing. The Bible says that a man's mouth reveals his mind. Jesus said this in Luke 6, 45. He said, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Well, like all the old country farmers and every country preacher says, what's down in the well? Come help me out. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Profanity reveals a rotten character. If a man's mouth is dirty, his heart's dirty. Uh, Sam Jones, an old Methodist, Methodist evangelist, he said, When I hear a man curse and swear, I hold on to my pocketbook. For any man who will swear will also steal. I think that's a little extreme, but you get the point. When a man swears, I know he's either a poor, uh, has a poor vocabulary, he's just a poor communicator. Uh, Lord Byron once wrote, um, he knew not what to say, so he swore. Incidentally, we Christians, we should, would never think of using primary cuss words. Need to be careful with using what I call secondary, secondhand cuss words. I do this myself because it can easily lead to the real thing. Secondary, right? I mean, take a word like dang. That seems harmless until you hear your child say it. And you know, that dang is just one little syllable away from the real deal. Right? I, I've, I've told my children over the years, when they've used secondary words in the in place of uh, profanity, I, I'll say it, dang, I don't think anything about it. Marcus says, dang, I'm like, hey, man, can we not come up with a better word? You know, and he's looking at me like pot, meat kettle. <laughs> right? You just, you do it all the time. But when I hear my children say it, that's when I hear it. I don't hear it when I say it, but when I hear my children use some of those secondary words that we use to replace other words because we wouldn't think of cussing, and I hear it and I go, uh-uh, Marcus, there has to be something better than that. I heard about the little girl who said darn in front of her grandfather, and she said darn, and her grandfather said, honey, I'll tell you what, if you'll listen to me, if you'll never say that word again, I'll give you a dime. And she said, okay, granddaddy, I'll never say darn again. So he gave her that dime. A few days later, she came back to see her grandpa all excited. She said, granddaddy, you're not going to believe it. I learned some words at school today that got to be worth half a dollar. <laughs> be careful with secondary profanity. It's really the same thing, ultimately, isn't it? We all know what you mean, don't we? Look at this next slide. Profanity ultimately is a ridiculous sin. It's ridiculous when any other sin is committed, maybe you get something in return, right? If you commit adultery, at least maybe momentarily you get your lust fulfilled. If you steal, a, steal something, at least maybe you get that something that you stole. But in profanity, all you get is the judgment of God. 
there is no return on this sin. If you get a flat tire and curse the tire, it does not inflate itself. If you stub your toe and, and curse the chair, the chair doesn't magically get out of your way the next time you get up. If you Listen, if you curse because you hit a bad golf shot, you do not become Tiger Woods. There is no reward for profanity. Using profanity is like biting a hook with no bait. There's no upside. God says again, look at verse 7. It says, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God remembers it. God writes it down. And one day you will answer for it. Profanity. That's one of the ways we do it. Next, write this down. Also, <laughs> perversity. All right. <laughs> that's a typo, y'all. Uh, perversity. That's one word. It's not perversit. Why? <laughs> perversity. Another <laughs> Whoa, that was terrible timing. One of the ways that you can profane God's name is by taking things lightly. <laughs> what I mean, though, is taking godly things lightly, to joke about things that are sacred. There's nothing wrong with humor, but there's nothing funny about making fun of sacred objects like the Word of God, making the Word of God the butt of our jokes. I'll tell you the truth. That's one of the things that I've fallen to when you're in the ministry all the time. I remember me and Scott, when we used to be in Saul to Paul, like he talked about, man, we were in and out of churches all the time. I mean, every church, every denomination you can imagine, like a billion times a year. And it was just, that was our life. And so, and I don't know if you noticed, he's kind of a cut up and I like to play around too. And so you would find yourself, you'd walk in and some church would have a really like unattractive stained glass Jesus up or something that looks like the second grade class put together for them. And then you walk in and you're like, oh, Jesus don't like that. You know, I mean, you just make some kind of comment. And because it's just your life, you're around it all the time, and your filter kind of goes away. It's dangerous to make fun of holy things. The Word of God shouldn't be the butt of our jokes. Paul said this in Ephesians 5 verse 4. He says, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. I've heard preachers tell jokes about going to hell. What's funny about going to hell? Hell is no joke. When you joke about hell, you joke about the judgment of God. When you joke about the judgment of God, you're joking about God. When you joke about God, you are taking God's name in vain. The word vain literally means frivolous, empty, flippant. Look at this next slide. Not only are we not to take God's name in a filthy way, but also not in a flippant way. And again, this was one of the, uh, if you're in ministry, in church, if you're just in that all the time, if you're like me, you're going to find humor in things, okay? And some things I shouldn't find funny, and neither should you, right? We are not to take God's name in a flippant way. That means that Jesus Christ is not a superstar. He's not the man upstairs, and he is not your homeboy. He is the holy, righteous, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end, the line of the tribe of Judah, and we do not take his name in anything less than a holy, righteous way that it deserves. Profanity, perversity. Write this down. Number three, perjury. Perjury. I'm really glad that slide doesn't say perjure. Why? The prophet, the prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah 48.1. Isaiah said, hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, and have come forth from the wellsprings of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord, and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth or in righteousness. 
You use God's name. You claim God's name, but not in truth and not in righteousness. You know, a person stands in a courtroom. They put, raise one hand to God. They put one hand on the Bible, and they swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. And what they're doing in that moment, they're calling God's name down as a witness that what I'm saying is true. But if that person breaks that oath, that what the court calls perjury, God calls blasphemy. Look at Leviticus 19, verse 12. It says, you shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Again, you commit perjury, not much like the other thing we talked about, not just by what you say, but by the way you live. Look what Jesus said in Luke 6, 46. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Why do you call me God? You, you, you're claiming the name of Christ. You call yourself a Christian, and everything about your life says the complete opposite. That's blasphemy. Blasphemy. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? A Christian is someone who belongs to Christ. When they don't act like it, it's blasphemy. To call yourself a Christian and not really live like one, you're profaning his holy name. I heard the story. I don't I've heard it so many, I'm not even sure if it's true. I haven't tracked it down to its source. But the story about Alexander the Great, when he was in the middle of a great battle, and some of his soldiers were retreating, and he went and grabbed one of them. He's like, soldier or whatever Alexander called his man. He's like, soldier, what's your name? He said, Alexander. He said, what's your name? And he said, like, like you, sir, my name's Alexander. Alexander jumped down uh, off his uh, horse and went over and snatched that man up. And he told him, he said, you either change your conduct or you change your name. Right? He's running away from battle. There's some of us, sometimes I think Jesus might would like to walk up and get us by the lapel and say, hey, change your conduct or change your name. Stop using my name. Look at this next slide. Also, but there's a, a correct declaration. So the negative is don't use God's name the wrong way. So the positive is use his name the right way. Uh, the word take, literally, you know, we say take God's name in vain. Uh, take means to lift up, to exalt, to magnify. That is, we're not to lift up God's name in vanity, but it's okay to lift up God's name in victory. And we should. The only way to do that is to understand what God's name really declares. Write this down. God's name declares salvation. Salvation. The angel said to Joseph, uh, you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Right, the name of Jesus in the Greek translation is uh, uh, from the Hebrew Joshua that you have in the Old Testament. It means the God who saves. His very name means salvation. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 12. It says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's why the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, that verse says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You notice it doesn't say whoever calls on the Lord. It says whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Why does it say that? Because there are many people that are masquerade as lords. There have been many false messiahs since Jesus' day, and they're still going to keep coming. But if you want to be saved, you've got to call on the right name. That's the name of Jesus. God's name declares salvation. Next, write this down. It also declares strength to serve. Strength to serve. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do. I love this. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, and not only are we saved by God's name, but we serve in God's name. 
Name stands for authority. Right? Oh, a long time ago, uh, uh, many, many, many years ago, Grum South Jackson, my mama used to send me to the store to buy her cigarettes. Anybody else ever buy their mom or daddy cigarettes? Don't lie. Nah, I see a few hands slipping up like this. <laughs> me too. Okay, Sandy's not here. I can talk about her. Oh, no. She's my wife. Okay. But listen, what she would do, she'd call down to the store and say, I'm sending Marcus down there to get a pack of cigarettes. So I would go down with a check that was already written and had my mama's name on it, and I would get those cigarettes. Well, I was getting those cigarettes in my name? No, I was getting them in my mama. I shouldn't have been getting them at all. Y'all know that, right? But I was getting them in my mama's name. It was her check signed by her name. In the same way, when we do things through Christ, we're not doing it. Oh, that was a terrible illustration, wasn't it? That way I just, but you get the point, right? Amen? Amen? Look, if a police officer stands there and says, stop in the name of the law, I don't know if they ever say that anymore, but if he did, when the police officer stands in front of a car, he's not physically strong enough to stop the car, but he's standing there in the strength and the authority of the name that he carries, the badge that he's wearing, in the name of the law, in the name of the city, in the name of the county, the state. It's not his authority, right? It's authority that's given to him through who he's working for. So everything that we do, and, and, and we do in Christ's strength and his power, and we do it in the name of Jesus. Next, write this down. God's name also declares security. Security for the believer. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The name of God is security for the saint. It just breaks my heart thinking of those in our community and, and everywhere in America, the world, who do not know that they're secure in Christ. Listen, he will shelter you when it rains, the rains or troubles are falling, and shield you when the winds are blowing. So what's the right use of God's name? We're to declare his name in profession. Look at this next slide. Everywhere we go, we can take the name of Jesus, we can share the name of Jesus, we can preach the name of Jesus, and we can live the name of Jesus. We take his name in prayer. We take that name in praise. Some of us macho men in this room, we need to remember this verse. Look at it in your notes, Psalm 29, verse 1. It says, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in beauty and holiness. But yet I'll walk in here on Sunday morning. I bet God's glorified in that, don't you? Oh, I bet Jesus is in heaven going, that's my baby child. God's glorified. Let's read that verse again. I don't know. Maybe it's in the Bible. Verse 1, give unto the Lord, oh, you mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in beauty of holiness. What does that mean? I'm, I'm, okay, we're done. I'm, we're going to go. Okay, listen. The beauty of holiness. In other words, don't, be, don't play the hypocrite. Keep short accounts with God. Keep your heart clean. And when you have a clean heart, you can raise clean, pure hands to God in worship. Right? And then it's saying, give him the glory. Give him the honor. Come on, mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory Do his name. Worship the Lord in beauty of holiness. And I just, I just think Jesus is thrilled with that. How about you? 
Listen, our God is a great God. His name is a great name, and it deserves to be glorified and magnified and worshiped and proclaimed because it's a name of grace, it's a name of goodness, it's a name of glory, and it's a name of salvation for everyone everywhere. And may that name be honored forever and hallowed forever and ever. Amen. And if we refuse, the rocks will cry out. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your name, all your names that you've given us in your word so that we can know you better, that we can understand your attributes, see who you are, see who we are, and God, that we can worship you in freedom. God, that your name is not only a name that we shouldn't take in vain, but Lord, we should raise your name in victory. Well, we're so grateful that we do have that victory. Thank you that your name means salvation. Thank you for saving us, redeeming us. Lord, thank you for giving us a new name, a new heart, and a new desire. We love you. Listen, every head bowed, every close, eye closed. Just a moment. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know that you're saved. <clears throat> maybe you're, no, no, maybe you're probably here and you know that you've taken God's name in an unworthy manner whether it's with your lips or with your life, because you carry the name of Christ with you everywhere that you go. And maybe there's some sin in your life. Maybe it's a straightforward, God, I need to repent of blasphemy. I've used your name in a careless manner, a profane manner, or in a flippant manner. You need to do business with God. Maybe you just haven't given his name the glory that's due. You need to do business with God. Maybe you're here tonight, though, you just recognize that you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't know that you're saved. Listen, our God is the God of security. You're secure in Christ if you trust him. But if you don't, you're standing on your own. Why don't you trust Christ? Born of a virgin, lived that perfect sinless life, went to the cross to die for your sins, to pay the price you couldn't pay anyway so that he could save you. And to give you a name to call you his special possession. Why don't you pray right now? Maybe you just need to pray and say, Father God, I'm a sinner. I'm a blasphemer. I've profaned your name and I've done so many other things. God, I'm a sinner. But I repent and I turn from my sin. And I'm turning to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Tell him, say, Lord, I'm putting my faith in your death, burial, and resurrection. Christ alone, nothing else. Lord, glorify your name in my life. Listen, you pray that prayer, you just became a new creation. You really are a Christian. I want to encourage you to make that decision public. Maybe you need to come tonight because you need to be baptized. Maybe you've prayed that prayer before and you need to follow through in baptism. Maybe your baptism's on the wrong side of your salvation. Get it right. We'll schedule that for you. Maybe God is calling you to be a part of the Grace Baptist family officially. Why don't you come and do that? Maybe tonight during this invitation, for just a moment, you need to give glory to the name of Jesus. Whatever it is, be faithful. Father God, we surrender this invitation to you. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.